Hello and welcome again to Punks on the Pitch, the Monday episode. Um, I'm going to keep this intro very, very short because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, I'm joined again by my very good friend, Danaley. Danaley, what a fucking weekend of football it's been. Uh, it's been crazy. Like This weekend could just stop for one second because so, like, so much has happened. <laughs> so a, a little bit kind of behind the curtain like me me and Danaley have been messaging each other pretty much since Saturday mm. and I think from Saturday evening to now when we're recording Sunday evening it was constantly like oh this has happened this has happened this has happened so yeah it's been a bit fucking mental yeah there's been a lot to catch up on to... yeah but before we kick off everything, you actually did tell me as well, you've listened to some new music after yeah. you saying last time you were on, you had the same three <laughs> albums on rotation. So what what you listen to? So it's not, I mean, actually I've listened to Idols, new records, which... What do you think of it? I liked it. I don't think it's as good as Joy. Uh, no, I agree. I think it's very aggressive. Like, it's a lot, I would listen to it at work. And then when it came to the opening, and we play a lot of like indie and punky stuff at work anyway, and they were just like, no, this is far too aggressive for people <laughs> in the game to sit and listen to this. Um, but the other thing, I went on a little bit, going back to like the garage punk rock kind of stuff, like skaters and swimmers, bass drummer death. And um been listening to loads of Fiddler's album from last year, almost free. Oh, nice! And it's there's like a song in there called uh, "By Myself," which is just really happy, upbeat music. But it's about going on a massive bender because you broke up with your girlfriend. <laughs> like, really depressing, <laughs> yeah. and like you can crying as he's singing it and stuff. Like, but really, yeah, happiness. So, yeah, yeah. That's that. They're they're a weird band, but I don't know. They kind of somehow pull it off. But yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. That's yeah, nice. I say I've, I have feelings about the Idols album. Like it's, I just don't know, like personally, it, I don't think it's that great. Yeah. But I kind of see what they're going for. But yeah. who am I to who am I to judge the probably the biggest punk band in the UK right now? Yeah, they need to give it a couple more listens to make a full judgment on it. Yeah. Yeah, from what I've listened to so far, it just seems very like very aggressive, very much of our time, I think, of a lot of yeah hitting out at the right and everything that's just like fucked up for right now. Yeah, yeah. Well we'll talk about kind of fucked up in, in a football sense. Um I feel like we're kind of starting two weeks in a row off in the Bundesliga, but it's been a, a crazy weekend for, for the German top tier and the first big managerial casualty in, well, I guess you can say big in some aspects, but David Wagner receiving the chop this morning from, from Schalke um, after an insane 18-game losing streak, which is yeah. just fucking ridiculous. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, do we? Do you have any sympathy for him? Like, because well, I thought, like, when he was at Huddersfield, I didn't think he was too bad a manager. But 
No. Um, it's hard to think. Like, I didn't realise his losing streak was that long. And then you think, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what, Phil, should have probably cut him at the end of last season. Um, but if you just take the last the start of this season, like, on its own, yeah, 8-0 to Bayern, that's just fine. You can chalk that as Bayern Munich. Like, you can chalk that one off. Like, that's always going to be at Maybe not eight goals, but you're always going to lose that game, I feel like. But then 3 1 to Word of Bremen. Uh, should Schalke beat Bremen? Should Bremen? Like, I'm not. I still feel like, like they're kind of on the same level. It's- but that's the thing. Like, Bremen were like. Like literally a game away from being relegated last year. Yeah. Like they they survived through the the playoff. So, in in reality, yeah, because like Schalke was still a European team last year. Yeah. And like they're by no means that team anymore, especially under like Wagner's guidance. They just seem to crumble, and I think. By the time that second goal went in for Bremen, they just looked completely deflated, and yeah. obviously, like there's issue, probably like deep-seated issues within that changing room that they just didn't have faith in Fagner. And as you say, like I kind of get why they stuck with him to begin with the season because like there was obviously the disruption with COVID, and like you kind of think, oh, okay, new season, fresh start, but. Yeah, there's just there was obviously some complete loss of faith in him. Yeah, from the players' perspective, probably. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for whoever they bring in now if they bring him in for the end of the transfer window because you're not giving them. It's still going to be Wagner's team. They're not going to mm. have any. I know Schalke have the the transfer committee thing where they're like, if it costs any more than a certain amount, it has to go like be voted on. But. You can't. This new whoever they get in is not going to have much to work with for a while. Yeah, He's still going to have to stick with the the Schalke team that Wagner's built, and maybe they do like allow some sales now because they've said they didn't want to sell anyone because the season's already started. But maybe now that the manager's gone, some of the players might go. Yeah, and it's interesting, like that kind of weird committee style that they have yeah. in their sort of like transfer policy and a lot of people I remember sort of last season kind of pointed to that being the reason why Wagner wasn't he was kind of almost sort of tethered back a little bit but as I say I don't know whether it's like further than that because like as I say the the performance yesterday against Bremen was was awful mm. like fa- like fair play to to Bremen, and I'm going to completely butcher the player's name, but like Nicholas Fukla, who got the hat trick. Yeah. Like, it kind of shows that they're, I know obviously they're only two games into the season, but it shows that they're obviously wanting to bite and claw and not be where they were last year. Whereas Schalke, it kind of seems like they're going in opposite directions. Like Bremen are looking up and Schalke are very much looking down. Well, Bremen used to be. I remember when I first started looking and following German football, like Bremen was the kind of team, like I kind of had like a weird affinity with Bremen. Because mm. they had like this really young attacking midfield at one point of like Mezu Erzl, Marco Marin and Aaron Hunt. And it was yeah. just, you know, obviously all those players had gone off to, but well, Erzl went to Real Madrid. 
Marion went to Chelsea. Hunt kind of just stuck around, didn't really work out for him. But, you know, they would be big players that went off. They've had some shared players with the likes of Munich and stuff like that. So it was like, if for me, Bremen dropping off was a bad sign. But now it's now mm. way up and now Schalke is going the other way. It's a bit... Football's crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Like I don't know too much about like German managers or mm. and stuff like that, and I know they've obviously said at the moment. I think um, Wagner's number two is going to be overseeing things for the interim, but I don't know. Like, is there any manager that you could potentially see that you can I think couldn't. of that could turn things around? I don't know who he possibly get in. Because the the best German managers, the ones that you know that make the headlines and you know their names, either are at top clubs in Germany already or have gone abroad. You know, yeah, you're not going to get Ralph Ragnick to cut, or, you know, or like anyone of that kind of thing, or like Hansi Flick or something. You know, there's no, you're not going to bring in any of those people. You're not going to like the Southampton manager. You're not going to get him to go over to Schalke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just not. There's no one really around. I don't think. I'm not. No, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, unless you're kind of taking someone f- from an already established club, like even like English managers mm. and stuff, I can't really think of anyone. Like the one that kind of springs to mind that I think would be interesting, but I don't know whether it would happen would be Eddie Howe. I think that would be yeah. an interesting kind of transition. But he's obviously still got loyalties mm. to Bournemouth and they kind of, again, early season, but they look like they're in for a good year in the championship. Yeah. So would he want that position? Yeah. But I mean, Eddie Howe was someone I was just thinking of when you mentioned English managers. Because I think... The way he got Bournemouth playing, you could get Schalke to play. Like it's just yeah. something that would work with Schalke and in the Bundesliga. And I think it's def- it'd be very interesting. I don't think it will happen, but yeah, that that would be something to see. Yeah, if it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, but apart from just the the sacking, it was just a crazy weekend in general in the Bundesliga and. I think, like, I put the jinx on this in some aspect, talking to George last week, mm. saying Bayern are untouchable, and they go and lose to Hoffenheim. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like, what the fuck? That was not... No, no like, offence uh, to Hoffenheim, but it wasn't a weakened Bayern team. Like, yeah, Lewis no. wasn't playing. Uh, he was on the bench till like, the 50-something minute. But Joshua Jerksy is an excellent young striker. Um, there's a strong, he's like their standard defence, Manuel Neuer. He's this, and they controlled a lot of things. And Thomas Muller had a lot, of, like, they should have won that game. Times mm. just come and taken the most of every opportunity they've had and scored four goals. Like, and that's the thing, like, from watching the highlights, it kind of seems like Hoffenheim kind of approached it without a sense of fear. Yeah. Because, like, some of the tackles that were going in were fucking hard. And this is, like, I think that's 
what kind of upset Bayern because they didn't have the opportunity to play the flowing football that they're used to yeah. because they had these flying tackles going in. And then, as you say, Hoffenheim just got these odd chances and made the most of it, which is what you need to do in football. Yeah, no, definitely. Like what I I tried to watch highlights, I had to watch it on YouTube. It's like from what I saw, they just you know they made the most of everything that came their way, and mm. you know didn't waste any opportunities. Took their goals, you know, and some of them were really good goals and fair play. Like I think it's, I think it shows what like is great about football generally is that you get these upsets. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because on paper, and I think pretty much any team in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich, would you'd say they were going to win that game? Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, they've they are the top tier, like the team you try and emulate. And um, yeah, just, well, well done to Hoffenheim. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, you mentioned it earlier. Like with them smashing eight past Schalke last week, you th- kind of think like Hoffenheim going into this game are probably thinking, oh, fucking hell, they've just smashed eight against a team that are widely seen as better than us. Yeah. To to now get that is just, it, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just phenomenal. It's so, uh, like unheard of sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, as a neutral to like, the that league that's why you watch it to yeah kind of things and that but the thing is what makes the result even like again i know it's only week two but makes it even more significant is bayern's like bitter title rivals lost the day before in another shock result in dortmund losing 2-0 to Augsburg. Yeah. it's just like it's like what the fuck is happening in the Bundesliga? <laughs> no definitely i watched uh, better highlights of that and Dortmund like Augsburg smashed and grabbed that oh massively like, yeah they had absolutely no right to be winning that game Dortmund were how some of the some of Haaland not scoring was just like how what are you doing you're meant to be the, one of the great like up and comers in football and yeah and Joe were just like you should some of this stuff should have gone in I don't understand <laughs> the, and there was a few penalty shouts, but they weren't penalties. Look at and yeah, yeah, yeah. That is for if you were, you know, you see Dortmund lose, you know, to shock to Elsberg. As a Bayern fan, you'd be like, "Great, we're going to steal another three points in these title rivals," and then they lose four. It's just like so. Which is back to square one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the thing I wanted to like touch upon, I, it was the same in in Hoffenheim, but I think it was more prevalent in Augsburg because, as you say, it was that kind of smash and grab mentality. But obviously, I, I think this is relevant because of what's happening in our country at the moment with people being fucking idiots, and we're seeing more restrictions. But obviously, they're now fans in Bundesliga yeah. games. And I think once that first Augsburg goal went in, it kind of rallied them. And I know like they were still very much on the back foot against Dortmund, but you could kind of like get that thing that we're so used to when crowds are there, like that galvanising feel of like 
okay, maybe they weren't expecting the second goal, but like almost like, come on, like yeah. we just need to hold on that little bit and like having the fans behind them. So I don't know. Did you like, because I spoke when speaking to George last week, I was sort of like, well, I'm kind of getting used to not having fans. Yeah. But then seeing that, it does make a difference. It do- totally. I think it looks... I completely like forgot they had fans back. So I was watching it and I saw it and I was like, it looks kind of weird because obviously they've only got like limited capacity. Yeah. Uh, you still still distancing. But and I think kind of like from watching on a TV point of view, I'd rather there were no fans than a handful of fans. But I guess as you're playing there, just having that like a handful of fans to galvanise around you. Is a really lifting thing, and it you know that idea of the twelfth man can be a real game winner for you. I think that's yeah, yeah. With Augsburg is that belief that they got that extra belief they got from the fans being there. Yeah, and because as mentioned before, like with the ethos of this show, you've got to like root for the underdog, and both Augsburg and, and Hoffenheim getting results. That's punk as fuck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're absolutely punk as fuck, right? Yeah, so punks on the pitch, seal of approval, Augsburg and, and Hoffenheim. Um, we're going to stick in Europe briefly because uh, big sort of like transfer news that kind of happened during the week and I kind of want to get your perspective on this as a Liverpool fan, but the debate that was going on for a long time was will Luis Suarez stay at Barcelona? He finally eventually moved and kind of linked up with another quote-unquote bad boy of football in Diego Costa at Atletico Madrid and in his first outing decided to score two goals and assist another in a 6-1 win which is fucking nuts um but like I guess firstly what's your kind of like relationship with Suarez like being an excellent yeah. player I know he's a very polarizing sort of character like yeah so yeah what where do you kind of stand with him i if i could just take his footballing ability fine absolutely. <laughs> yeah absolutely phenomenal it's everything else that goes with it it's you know the biting of other players it's you know the the winding up the same like just as a footballer there's not many people that are as good as he. Like he's got the Barcelona third top goal scorer in the six years. Yeah. There. Um, his last season at Liverpool, he won the Golden Boot and missed six games because of the ban for after biting Ivanovic. Ivanovic. Mm. Um, and then, like he's just phenomenal. And watching him in, in the Atletico Madrid game, like you don't need to do anything just give the ball to Suarez and he'll create something mm. and then get there do any just watching him do him but as a person like <laughs> no like the, you know there's all the the stuff with Evra which was completely mishandled um the biting the handball at the world cup it's just yeah he's he's almost like that kid where like you want to say he's a punk but then you're just like no but you're just a twat like yeah that's the that's the thing like i kind of had that sort of when i wanted to bring this up it was like 
is is he punk or not? But like, I, the way I kind of like, I guess the the best way I can describe him is he's like one of those like crust punks that hasn't washed their battle jacket yeah. in about ten years. That, that's who he is. That, yeah, that's that's the level of punk that Suarez is. If we're gonna, <laughs> he's one of those guys that be like, ah, oh, you know that. You can't listen to La Dispute or have long hair. Like you've got to listen to fucking Cro-Mags and like stiff little fingers and drink fucking. Or he's one of those guys that's like, oh, I liked the first Screwdriver album. Yeah, it's like he's like, oh, one of those guys. Screwdriver shirt. It's like, oh, you know, it's like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as you say, in terms of talent, like I think he came on in like the 68th minute or something yeah, it, was. it was like it was quite deep into the second half yeah. and as i say like he set up lorente and then bagged two of it for himself and both of the finishes were fu- like that header was fucking brilliant oh yeah and it's just like if like again diego simeone is a polarizing character especially for us being yeah english and so on and so forth but i rate simeone as a as a manager so like i think if he gets costa suarez and lorente and even like yao phoenix if he can manage to get those four working seamlessly atletico could could be in the picture again i think yeah i think there's there's a strong chance because if he can i mean if anyone's going to get Costa and Suarez working as one is Simeone. Yeah. Um, it's going to be hell to play against. Like, <laughs> yeah. Horrendous footballers coming down on you. But um, I think, yeah, I think you could. Uh, I think Barcelona is going to be in a transitional year. Real Madrid are still finding their feet again. Like, it's going to be, you know, so Atletico could come in there and if they're galvanised properly, you know, kick up a real fuss and mm. drive a wedge into those top two again. And that's like, I haven't, like, I'm not saying I'm excited about Atletico Madrid because mm. they're, they're always like a decent team. But like, I think this is the most interesting they've looked since like the first ways of, of Fernando Torres, yeah. like when he burst onto the scene. And that's the kind of level that I think they're capable at if Simeone gets them playing right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. They're, um, they're def- they've kind of got a, uh, a sort of 2010 Inter Milan feel about them. Of like, yeah, yeah. They're sort of, you know, they're not going to take any shit. They probably will get away with murder. And just hit you and hit you hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, just gonna, you know, win games and they're not they're not gonna give a fuck like about like they're not there's don't need any players in that team that I can think of who are you know not people you don't want to come up I mean, like Foul Felix but he's only a kid. Like yeah Costa Suarez is Godin still there? Has he left? Like they've got just like their back four is going to be tough. The front mm. players are going to be tough. It's going to be they're not going to be fun games to go play for the the rest of the, the fifth. Llorente with the cross. It's towards Luis Suarez. There it is. There 
already right so with all the madness that happened on the continent us here in little old england was no different um goals galore again this weekend but i think the main takeaway that has kind of come from not one game not two games not three games but <laughs> probably about four is penalty decisions in var yeah like as we record this the leicester city game has just finished and there was three penalties in that let alone there was obviously i haven't seen it specifically but during the tottenham newcastle game that was apparently very controversial i still think i think i'm a little bit bitter about this because i watched it live but i think the decision that was made in the brighton united match was the wrong decision the palace one again like okay they might have got it right but it's just it was just uncertainty around it and like we i had this discussion with george last week like is var the right thing like and especially around handballs as well at the moment like i don't know like where the fuck do we even start I, I just, uh let's yeah, start with the the two the united and the newcastle pen because yeah two very similar situations um so i didn't I, I didn't get a chance to watch either of these live i had to go back and look at the highlights the united one like my friend texted me at the time being like are you watching this this is mental um from the highlights it looks like he could have put his hand down but then in the moment when you like we've all played football the you know you head the ball your arms up you're not sinking to like even if you go know, you're a professional your arm shouldn't be in that position but you jump your arms going up yeah so you know it could a ball to hand situation the newcastle one was definitely ball to hand there's no yeah yeah could have moved his hand it was behind his back you didn't see what his arm was doing. Like, um, and they both go to VAR to get turned over into penalties. And with obviously with United one, the game had ended. Like Yeah, so that was that was my like takeaway and I put that on, on Twitter and I had a, a lot of people specific like I had a couple of United fans as well who obviously were happy about it, but they were like because the after that corner Obviously, um, Sully March headed the, the ball off the line and then the ref, ref blew the final whistle. Yeah. But then the VAR check was going on. And, and in my head, I think, well, no, like the, the ref's blown the whistle. Like it shouldn't go on. But the argument they were making was because the incident still happened in play, that's why the check was happening, which I get. But it was ten, like ten minutes yeah. of added time. Like that penalty was taken in the hundredth minute, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like with VAR, I think it's a good idea, but then they don't use it in the Bundesliga, and they tend to be a standard better. Um, but it needs to be much more instant, and it's very hard to say because it was so close to the final whistle of the the arm. Um, uh, was it Mopay's arm hitting the ball? Yeah. Um, it was so close to the final whistle. So, yeah, I get why the VAR check had to happen after the whistle blew. Um, 
and it's tough on Brighton and the Brighton fans. But also, was it even a penalty? Like that's it's tough. I like. I think this is a kind of reason. This is why you do have VNR to make these right decisions. But it yeah, be a lot more if you can't make that decision within however long. If you can't, if someone's not watching the screen to notify uh, the ref much quicker than that to be like, you need to check something. Because he could have, I don't know, I don't know how the situation, I don't assume they wear smartwatches that they can send information to. Um, well, this is what I kind of, I, when we had this conversation last week, like, surely you've got a fourth official there. Yeah. Surely, like, as soon as a VAR check is being called, they should be also watching the monitor because obviously whoever is doing the VAR check is off somewhere yeah. in a office, whatever. If you've got someone else in the ground with you that's also watching the footage that the VAR people are watching... Surely that like gives that instant relay. That that would be more because that makes a lot more sense to have the fourth official involved. Yeah. Um, because what else is he doing? Like, exactly. Holding up signs like that's having a chat with the manager on the yeah. sideline. He's not. He's he's got time. He can be going doing stuff. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The fourth official should be involved in this. Uh, I think we sold VAR. Like that's <laughs> But yeah, like obviously, that that uh, the Palace, uh, not Palace, sorry, Brighton and the the Newcastle one were quite similar. But then obviously we had the the Palace one, which in his post match interview, Roy Hodgson wasn't particularly happy about. I think like again, like. Joel Ward even kind of said in his post-match interview, like, your body moves towards the ball. Like, yeah. it's a natural body movement. And I know, like, pre the season kicking off, they were kind of trying to distinguish, like, what what constitutes the ball hitting the arm and what constitutes forward movement yeah. and things like that. And... I don't know. It goes back to that argument of, again of like VAR is is a good thing in theory, but it needs to be ironed out a lot quicker than it ha- like this is season two with it in, yeah, and we're still seeing weekly mistakes. So yeah, I don't I don't know what the what the overall situation of how to fix it is. To be honest, no, I don't. It's. It needs to be, I think it needs to be quicker. I think if you can't, I know it, it'll be harsh on people and there'll be some things that slip through the gaps. But if, if you can't make that decision quickly enough, then you're, it, it's, inter, it's interfering with the like the run of the game and the, yeah. the momentum. Um, because we saw it last season with some of the offside decisions. Um when they were like, you know, it was like any part of your body over a line or something. It was like, well, it's his arm is over. And like, yeah, yeah. Play the ball with his arm. So how's that offside? It's, um, or there was one where like they got the offside decision wrong 
even after doing it on VAR. And when they pulled it up in like some of the an- analysis afterwards, they were like, well, how that line's the line they're going for, and you're calling it on this line. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Penalties decisions today, everything just needs to be a lot quicker with it. I think. Yeah. I think that's my, like my issue with it as well is that. I kind of like float again, floated this out on Twitter is kind of like relating to the offside. I can't, there was an incident like last week that I kind of questioned it about. And this is like, okay, yeah, it's like could be making the right decision, but it's stopping the flow of the game. Mm. And at the end of the day, like a referee's job should be in real time. And like human error happens. Yeah. Like, and I like, for every like bit of technology that you want to introduce to the game and whatever. And I know like if we take the NFL for instance, like it works in their situation, but that's because it's a slower paced game. Yeah. And I think like if we take it like, as you say, if there's not that quick response, then I think we need to go back to just trusting the ref's instinct. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, the, the old rules were the referee's word is final. and Yeah, and now it's being contradicted. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you are going to get mistakes. and But the way you have to look at it is that mistakes go both ways and sometimes your team's going to have an unlucky decision, but then you're going to play one game where you get the luck and you're going to get a decision that wasn't, you know, is unlucky on the other team. So you can't be mad all the time. And nothing seems to be getting better with VAR. Yeah, still getting. You know, the fans are still angry. The decisions are still getting made wrong. Some decisions are getting made right. It's not a perfect system, and if you can't get it to be perfect, then yeah, maybe we should just go back to one ref telling you what it is. (laughs) Yeah, and just in terms of like other games that kind of happened, as we mentioned. Obviously, Leicester coming out 5-2 winners against Man City, which is brilliant because I can't stand Pep Guardiola. <laughs> um, but a question like that I think a lot of people have kind of had, and especially with the amount of money they spent in the summer, is can Chelsea be contenders again? Mm-hmm. And they kind of got away with it through the skin of their teeth. But going 3-0 down to West Brom, yeah. like, I mean... No, dis- well, it is disrespect to West Brom, but it's West Brom. Yeah. And when you've got a team that's got Timo Werner, Car Havertz, Thiago Silva, that I can carry on. Yeah. But like that, is- that should not be happening going through. And okay, they got back three all. But is the question like that I said that I wanted to pose to you is is Lampard now having second season syndrome, and because I. Like, I don't know, like, is it because the money's being shoveled into him now? Can he not control those bigger, bigger names? Mm. Um, I think, I think there's a strong, three games in, it's hard to say if he, but it does look likely. I mean, if you look at, I mean, what his CV is worryingly small. Like, yeah, he did. He had a fantastic season at Derby. But it was one season, and then he got the Chelsea yeah. job. Did a great thing with Chelsea last year with no money, 
not being able to bring in any players, trusting the youth. And then this summer, and he's gone and signed seven, eight new players. Mm. Um, and that that many new players coming in is going to mess up your like dynamic. We're no longer, I don't feel anyway that we're in that position anymore when you can just buy a load of players. No, no. And make it work. You can't buy the leagues anymore to an extent. Obviously, you still get your PSGs, your cities. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the. It's, it's a lot, it's, you know, it's over half your team. Basically, it's half your match day squad that are now essentially new players. Um, mm. All the players you said you were backing before, where, where are their heads at? Um, do they have that faith in the manager still going to keep playing them? Are they, or are they going to look back and be like, well, I'm losing my position to this, like these new signings, even the older yeah, your, your new toy sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, like the older players, like Olivier Giroud, he still has something to give to any team he's in. Maybe not, he's not going to be your first choice striker, sure, but now he's behind Tammy Abraham and Tim Ovada. Yeah. That's, you know, Bashai went because he, there was no space for him. Uh, you signed Ben Chilwell, and like, so what did that mean for Marcus Alonso? You've now got three goalkeepers on the books who are all considered to be like, it could be, you know, any one of them could be the top goalkeeper, and like Willy Cavallero, keeper, and um, Eddard, Eddard, they just signed from runs. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing in Thiago Silva. Tamori's then been kicked out and there's talks of him leaving on loan. There's Hudson Adoy's always linked with going to Munich or somewhere else. Um there other there's one of their other attacking midfielders that was linked with leaving. And it's it throws the whole team like squad into disarray a bit if you introduce so many new emulents. Mm. I mean, look at I said this last time about um, Aston Villa and Wolves, but Wolves didn't introduce that many and managed to shock everyone. And Aston Villa basically bought a whole new squad and messed it up because they couldn't yeah, yeah. make it work. And I think Chelsea might need to like steady themselves a little bit and work out what's, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, obviously teams need time to, to gel and things mm. like that. And I think a, a complete key example of that was, like, the awful debut that Thiago Silva had. Yeah. And, like, I mean, he was at fault for one of the goals especially. But also, like, on that, like, the not just from, from Lampard's point of view, but the pressure that the media have put on regarding Kepa, Caballero, and yeah. not so much the new keeper, but them two specifically, there's always been this, like, Chelsea are a top-tier team, but don't have a top-tier keeper. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, does that trickle through the team 
and then like put doubts in the like because obviously like the mistake that Kepa made last week has then seen him be replaced by Caballero, mm. but then he's had an absolute shocker of a first half yeah. at West Brom, and it's just like I don't know. Does that then does does Lampard need to go back to basics in some aspects? I I think that's then that might be the case. I think he's. I think he needs to go back to basics. Um, he needs to look at, you know, his defense, his goalies. It's like his attacking line is still very impressive, and Mason Mount still getting games, and Hudson Odoi is still there. Abraham was playing today, yesterday, um, but it's he needs to get the. Your defense. You need to get your defense working right. Your yeah. defense won't win you a season, but it will lose you a season. Like if you can't stop those goals going in, it doesn't matter how many you're scoring the other end. Yeah, yeah. Brazil or Real Madrid, like it's not like you're not that. You can't work play that way and be like, it doesn't matter if we concede four because we we'll score five. Because as good as your front line is, they're not going to score five. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even stuff like getting Havertz, Havertz just seems to be thrown into the front, like into that front attacking midfield role. Oh, definitely, yeah. And obviously, and there's a lot of pressure on him. That was however much money it was, like 70 something million. And he had a good game in the cup, but it was against some lower division team that yeah he's like great you can score a hat trick against the championship league one team but you need to make these things against premier league teams and i think there's a the similar thing with Werner as well yeah. like people were expecting Werner to literally come in and hit the ground running and obviously he's struggled so far like i think he only had about three shots on target yeah. yesterday and, and like None of them looks particularly threatening. So, yeah, I think I, apart from the one way, like he nearly hit the bar or something like that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's t- it will be tough on because obviously he had such a good season at Leipzig beforehand, and there's been, there was so much media talk around him over the summer of you know is he going to join Liverpool with Chelsea like Munich like where's he going is he going to stay at Leipzig like um and yeah and it was. It wasn't a small amount of money that they signed him for over. Like they spent a lot of money this transfer window, like a lot of money. That and it's it's almost like when Abramovich first took over. Yeah, yeah. Just it does kind of feel like that a bit. Free money at it, and it took Mourinho to come in and make that team work. So maybe it's going to take another manager to come in and make it work after. Lampard's had to deal with bringing everyone in and then he um, might get the chop and then it might be then you need someone else to be like right we can mould this into a team yeah I don't know no I definitely think Lampard's got a bit of a, an uphill struggle yeah but it's going to be a lot tougher on him this year as opposed to last year when everyone was just like oh it's fine like finish <laughs> yeah. a good season you finish like outside you've had a good season like he was in a win-win situation last year, and that yeah. was, there's a lot of pressure to prove that he's the right man for the job. Yeah, 
Um, before we move on, I do just want to quickly touch upon Patrick Bamford, um, just purely because I think a lot of people wrote him off as a Premier League striker, and I know I know we're early on in the season, but obviously Leeds of another team that spent a lot of money, yeah. but he's banging in the goals, so I just wanted to say another punk seal of approval for yeah for Patrick Bamford. I've I've, I've always liked Bamford. He's not. I don't think he was given a fair shake last time he was in the Premier League. Um, and he's, he's shown it with Leeds that he is capable. So I hope he make, mm. I hope he does well this time around. Yeah, cool. Right, and as well as sort of the Premier League, we had FA Cup action, but this was for in the women's game. Um, we're running quite long, so we'll keep this brief. No offence, ladies, but... Um, the, just because we're talking about Chelsea, the key kind of touchstone is that their their women's team has been knocked out of the FA Cup. Everton beating them two one um, in what sh- again another shock result of the weekend. Yep. Um, but the other thing as well is uh, we had a North London derby, and the reason I kind of wanted to bring this up specifically not because just because of how well Arsenal played again, but. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but whoever runs the Arsenal men's Twitter team kind of got in a bit of hot water because they were like, oh, no game this weekend and tweeted loads of pictures of the players just sat around at training. Yeah. And then loads of people were like, uh, excuse me, North London derby between your lip women's team, what the fuck? And they proved right because Arsenal ladies came out 4-0 winners. Yeah. And I think... I mean, yeah, whenever it's a North London derby, it's important. I think no matter what team of your or squad of your team or team of your, I don't know how to phrase that, your <laughs> team, or your men's team or your youth team, it's a derby. Like, you, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and obviously you need to take, there's been a lot of calls from a lot of people about women's football not being taken as seriously as it should. And I think this is another key opportunity to be like, you could have gone, hey, like we're the men's team are playing, but the women's team and the women's team are yeah. probably, probably better than the men's team. They're probably going to win more trophies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think the other kind of interesting point in this game was, okay, like I think Arsenal got three of their four goals quite late on, but there's been all this hype around Alex Morgan coming to Tottenham Mm -hmm. and being obviously a world cup winner, being like one of the most high profile people in the women's game. She didn't even get a minute on the pitch and like they're kind of claiming that she wasn't fit. But then there was this video of her in the warm up where she's literally sprinting the length of the pitch. I saw that video. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, you've made all this hype and fuss about bringing this star player to your team and you don't even give her minutes. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a keeping her wrapped in cotton wool kind of thing or if there is actually further injury issues that behind the scene we don't know, but it yeah. just felt like a weird decision to it me. Felt, yeah, that seems, seems an odd one. I, I didn't really get to see much of any of this, but I did see that video of her doing sprints and then you know, running the pitch and it's... You can't really claim she's not fit. And <laughs> yeah. it's one of these things of, like you say, Alex Morgan's 
as, as a high-profile player, she's one of these people you want out playing for you. Like, yeah. week in, week out. And she's a world-class athlete. There's, if she, the only way she's going to get injured is probably for a horror tackle. Like, I'm sure she looks after herself. She does all the right things. There's, she's not going to put a hammy walking down the stairs or something. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is an odd, odd decision. But yeah, it was like I know I touched upon it as well, but do want to give a shout out to the Everton ladies because, like, as I say, Chelsea, uh, one of the top tier teams in the WSL, they went 1 0 up through and Erin Cuthbert and like quite early on as well. But then Everton fought back and, and got the upset. And it's like as much as as we enjoy seeing upsets in the men's game, I th- like, again, I'm quite new to the women's game, but I think it happens less frequently. So when you do see, especially in the FA Cup yeah. as well, when you see things like this happen, it's always like props to, to the underdog again. And it's, it's nice to see not always the same teams going through. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's always right. good to see uh, someone else go through. Bar was going to come in for clear and obvious decisions. Now we, you know, we're, it, it, it's ludicrous and it ruins for me the spectacle. of Right. So, yeah, just as we've kind of said, it's been a, a very, very hectic weekend um, over this, this, this weekend. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm babbling now, but um, we're going to do our punks and Tories of, of the week again. But I think for the first time, if I'm not sure it won't, it'll be many, but we're kind of having a joint punk of, of the week. Um, Naley, I'm going to let you introduce it. So who are we picking as our punk of the week? So this is the weirdest story I've seen in football in a long time. But Ryan Reynolds is punk of the <laughs> yeah. week. Um, because he might be buying Wrexham Football Club with yeah. <laughs> like, And that's mental. Like, yeah, and I think just a tweet that he uh, been like, oh, it'd be funny watching him on the sidelines, and he just tweeted back like, maybe soon. Like that's that's just like, he's always funny on Twitter, but that's just crazy. Like, yeah, and like I read somewhere that he, I don't know how, but he's got like this weird connection with Wrexham, and I think he's got like college friends or something there, right? So, so that's kind of like where the affinity comes from, but yeah, I don't know like why this has even happened. It's just mind-boggling, and the fact that like the number that's been touted around is that him and um, I can never pronounce his name, Rob McKenney. Yeah, McKenney. <laughs> the dude from always, the dude from always sunny. Yeah. But like they're touting around like putting a two million pound investment. Whether that means like. Because for those who don't know, Wrexham is a is a club owner owned team. So whether that kind of means they will take over, or it is just a financial investment, we don't know the ins and outs of what's kind of going on at the moment. But yeah, like when this came out, it was just so so strange. Yeah, that is yeah. and so weird. And like yeah, I think there's a quote from um, the. Uh, director of the trust that runs Wrexham and he's sort of like 
this is something that could kind of happen in a matter of weeks rather than months sort of thing. So yeah, it's definitely a, a kind of a narrative that would be interesting to see whether it it does happen yeah. or not. But yeah, props on, on Ryan Reynolds if it does. It is a very like despite you being a Hollywood star, it is a very, very punk move. Yeah. Cool. Um in terms of Tories, I think we've both got quite like wrong ends this week. So yeah. I'm gonna kinda kick start because it's an ex-Pompey player, um, and it, this literally came about today. Uh, from Pompey, Sunderland, Hibs, uh, I think he was at Reading as well, striker Mark McNulty, has literally been arrested in the last sort of like few hours of recording this um, amidst bets of uh, match fixing. Specifically, it's been around kind of like betting on when yellow, like players being yellow clouded and things like that. And um from the reports that have kind of come out from scotland police is that it's kind of related around like as i say like gambling within that but he's like obviously been detained at the moment and like he's had his computer that's taken for analysis and stuff and i just think it's like a really shitty move like for any player to like be match fixing is just ridiculous and if it transpires that it was during his time at Portsmouth I'm going to be even more fucking raging um but like obviously the biggest kind of match fixing thing we've seen in our lifetime was kind of Juventus and obviously I know this is on a smaller scale but I don't know it just kind of baffles me when you've got a professional player like what drives them to do that and I just think it's yeah a proper Tory move because you're clearly money grabbing and you're being a cunt absolutely and but just before we kind of get to yours, I've got the the article up, and I, there's this one quote that I want to read, which I think is fucking brilliant. So, it, uh, admittedly, it's from the Scottish Sun, yeah. But we'll t- we'll discard that. So apparently, the reporter from the paper went to McNaughty's dad's house in Edinburgh. Don't know why his dad's house, but he went there, and his dad's response was, "He's not here," <laughs> I th- which I think is fucking brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, that that's I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, um, as I say, we've got another Roman from you. So who's your Tory? So my Tory, and I've just read it actually. They've backtracked, but that shouldn't have given any like reason to get out of it. Is a uh, Selby Town, and whoever at Selby Town made the decision to sign Reese Thompson, right. and then release a statement saying that they wanted him to be judged on his actions from this point, like his second chance in football. Right, so can you, because as I say, yeah. when you brought this to me, I didn't know. So can you give yeah. some context of who Reese Thompson so, is? Uh, yeah, so if you don't know who Reese Thompson is, he assaulted his ex, his former partner, uh, was convicted of assault, and was sentenced to 40 months in prison. Um, and they, so these were some horrific, horrible things that he did. Uh, like he hit her with an iron bar, broke her jaw, smashed mirrors over her head, made her lick paint off the ground. Like it's just nothing should be. You should be like proper, proper pro- scumbag. Proper scumbag. You should be just you know kicked out of society. There's no, there's no place for you in this. Um. So, yeah, whoever thought, not only like. Screw the fact that he had a football career. Fuck him. Like, you don't get another shot. You don't get another chance at doing stuff. Like, 
And then, I mean, they've backtracked. I've seen now that they've backtracked and decided that they're not going to sign him following listening to comments made by people. Like, he's like, you shouldn't take a back. But that's the thing. You shouldn't have pursued it in the first place. Yeah. Like, what did you, you think you can get away with it? Like, that's just, that's a typical fucking Tory idea to think you can get away with it in the first place. And yeah. Do you know what? Just fuck, fuck, I don't know Selby Town. I don't know what division, non league or whatever, but you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> Apparently, if you click on this thing, it says they're a community club, but what community spirit does that show you? If you yeah, yeah. let the man like that into your team. Yeah, no, like, sorry if, if there's any Selby fa- Town fans <laughs> listening, but fuck your, fuck your team. Yeah. <laughs> cool, but yeah, again, as I said, it's been a fucking mental week, not just in like those two stories that have come out, but just in football in general. Um, Naley, I really appreciate you kind of bring, coming on again and having your your perspective and as i say i'm sure it won't be the last time yeah that we have a very very busy <laughs> week to catch up on cool cheers cool right take it easy my friend See you later.